But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to episode 41 of the Spitballing Podcast. I'm Luke Byron and today I'm joined by Rory Ford, Tom Kennett, Connor Harmer and Troy Weaver. Nice of you to join us this week, Connor. Uh, obviously you didn't fancy it last week. Another relative's birthday that you couldn't postpone or... Because the last I've actually seen of you were you had your arm around a 60-year-old woman saying, grab your coat. <laughs> Was on a uh, stag do that weekend. Yeah, yeah. You haven't revealed where it went with the sixty-year-old woman. Uh, not to be told, unfortunately. <laughs> not to be told. All right, and get this out of the way. TK, last week you were expressing your despair at uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's relationship, and now they're engaged. So I just wondered your thoughts on that. Done well for himself, hasn't he? Spectacularly well. He has. I saw him interview Prince Charles earlier. He he looked like he couldn't believe it either. He's obviously thought this this could be a bit out of bounds. I've seen a big Go celebration on. today about how there's now someone of mixed race marrying into the royal family. I, I'm not seeing it. What well, you don't that? think she's mixed race, or you don't? Well, <laughs> she she's white. Oh no, they're making a weirdly big thing of it. Yeah, we're getting quite a bit deeper than I was expecting this. Well, it's not as deep as Connor wanted to go. No, true. <laughs> Mr. Rainbow Laces. Um, <laughs> well, I assume, it looks like he's done, done well yeah. for himself. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I assumed uh, the main reason people were tuning in today was to get a catch-up on how things are going. As we mentioned last week, my exploits on Plenty of Fish, Tinder and Bumble. That's what we're here for. Bumble, how's Bumble? It's like Tinder, oh, but the girl has to message first, so I actually don't, I don't, I don't. And to do it in twenty four hours yeah. as well, and so. I don't, so I don't then have the appeal of reaching in with what I think is a funny opening yeah, yeah. line. It so they purely out, have to go on my looks, which doesn't really work too well for me. Plenty of fish, as I said last week, felt a little uncomfortable because it did feel quite serious. Um, and after I messaged a fat girl. Out of the goodness, right. she was fat. <laughs> out of the goodness of my heart, messaged her. She she put some quite serious stipulations out on her bio. I felt I met the criteria. Clearly not. She didn't reply. So, <laughs> so I've uh, I've deleted the app. Can you confirm what the bio was? Yeah, it was something along the lines. I said this last week. Needed someone with uh, tattoos. Wait, how many of those do you have? One. Strong facial hair. And I said, does it matter that my beard doesn't quite join up? Uh, and a good sense of humour, which I thought I could I could deal with. Yeah. So I said, I, I fit the criteria apart from my beard doesn't quite join up. And then there was another one as well. So actually, it was, it more, not, it was more than one. Uh, only if I grow it too long. Mm-hmm. And then the barber has to do a bit of work. Actually, so there's more than one fat girl I messaged. There was the second one. 
I can't think of my on, ongoing theme here, isn't it? It's fuck girl season. Wow. I, wow. I feel like you're probably not going to get very far when you keep calling them that, though, to be fair. Let's, let's, let, let's, <laughs> let's hope that they don't listen to the podcast. Because if a random girl on Plenty of Fish is receiving a message from you, they're going to assume that you think they're a fat girl. Well, I feel like... I feel like... <laughs> well, maybe I'd be good now with the way he was treating me and keep him keen. Which I did try before. And it didn't work because the person <laughs> said... No, I tried. I think, this, I think this one I actually tried reaching out to kick. And um, the person replied saying, um, are you actually like this? You just don't seem like the type. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say no. Why don't you... Um... No, I'm not. Why don't you tell the listeners your uh, Tinder message that you sent to the girl yesterday? Um, Tinder, I think, is a bit more of a uh, uptight one. But if you expect me to really reveal it, then I just remixed uh, Stan and told called her Miss, uh, uh, Dear Mrs. I'm Too Good to call her out to my DMs. <laughs> Go on, give us a rest. Didn't we want to hear it. The, the fans want to hear it all. No, it, it didn't work either. So <laughs> she, I, did, she, I, did she not reply to that either? No, so I matched her. <laughs> You've got to give her time. So I then regretted because the number's worse. What is the match's numbers? We won't go into that, but <laughs> I, this is why I did actually... <laughs> this Double is figures. why I did actually keep, yeah, three figures. That's good. This is, <laughs> Fuck off. No <laughs> chance. No, no, I can, yeah. I, I have one of the... That girl I messaged back to yesterday, I think, was 2015. <laughs> oh, my God. And a lot of these are bots. <laughs> no, no. Famously, don't count bots. I am actually... <laughs> don't count bots. I know someone who does. Um, but the reason I did actually have your name down on my notes was uh, when we were travelling to London, which we have mentioned several times, you called yourself <laughs> the Tinder King. And so I wondered, just to open the show up, if you had some tips for our listeners, anyone that could be listening at home and wants some uh, Tinder tips. I'm retired. Oh, wow. Yeah, but you can still give some tips. It doesn't. They're not for you. Um, Think of Rory. Actually, Rory. <clears throat> Rory's the only one locked off. John, John Troy, so... By... <laughs> so just I've got a long-term girlfriend. I'm, I'm fine. By oh, tin- for you. Buy Tinder Gold. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, we'll leave that. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the soundbite I needed. Oh. The worrying thing is, is that you are going to use that for... I can Honestly, when I woke up this morning, I didn't think I'd get gold that good. Tinder Gold. Yeah. So we can move on to slightly less serious matters, but maybe more prominent. Uh, UFC 218 we have this weekend as uh, Jose Aldo steps in at shortish notice to face uh, Max Blessed Holloway. Um, if we make our way up the main card, just in in the prelims, we do have a fun prelim card. I'd say you've got uh, David Tamer against Drakkar Closer. You've got um, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, one of my most hated people in the UFC against Yancey Medeiros. You've got Charles Oliveira against Paul Felder. Which is annoying, because I should have been Ayer Quinter against Felder. But I will get behind the Irish Dragon. And then on to the main card. So I don't know if any of you are jumping out of your seat to give you a prediction first, or if you'd like me to kick off. We have uh, Michelle Watson against Tisha Torres first. Far away, mate. Okay, so... um. <laughs> Just as a little intro to it, I've got um, Michelle Watson was kind of deemed as the next big thing by WME. I think she was in the first event from when they took over the UFC, where there was her against Paige Van Zant, the fittest uh, UFC fight in in history, which obviously she won in quite spectacular fashion. 
And then the way they pushed her That's after... I remember it, to be fair, yeah. mate. Well done, mate. They got her in uh, Sports Illustrated. They got her in that like, body issue. Um, and they really pushed her. It was like their next big thing. And then they put her in a fight where she was expected to shine against Rose Namajunas, which obviously didn't go to plan. And we know how that went from there onwards. But I think this is going to be another horrible fight for her. I think, again, they're putting her in here and they're expecting her to look good so they can kind of see whether they're someone that she should push forward with. And I think Tisha Torres is a lot stronger. She's a lot more physical. She's 9-1 and one in the UFC, which I don't think is uh, much... She's 9-1, and one, sorry, and she's in the UFC but only has two finishes. Um, and I just think her clinch work against the cage, I think she's a lot stronger, that she's not going to be taken down. And I think striking-wise, she's going to close the distance and press her up, and she's going to nullify most of her uh, Watson's work. So I think she's going to take a unanimous decision. Uh, Rory, if you uh, want to go through, I know you're a big fan of Michelle Watson. Um, I don't know where you've got that from. Oh, maybe it's TK. <laughs> um, Probably. Uh, so, no, I think that the win will be from Tisha Torres. I'm pretty much agreeing with you. With a unanimous decision victory, as much as it pains me to say that I'm agreeing with you. Um, <laughs> she doesn't exactly finish, but a lot of these women at that level don't. I think she's had one finish and that was in her last fight. Yeah, I just think unanimous decision. All right. Very slow-paced fight. You sound really excited for this card. <laughs> I ge- genuinely, I think it's one of the worst pay-per-views of the year. What? I, I genuinely do. Oh, the title fight doesn't excite me. I, the main fight, yeah. The main fight doesn't really excite me. Sergio Pettis v. Cejudo. Oh, a, come on, we're going to get to these dead fights. division. Oh. We're going to get to these, uh, but that's very disrespectful. Troy, uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm not going to act like I know a huge amount about Tisha Torres. Um, Michelle Waterson, as, as Luke already touched on, the uh, meant to be like the next big thing, didn't really sort of do that. Uh, both women have lost um, to obviously the champ Fug Rose, um, so that's that's something I think that the UFC have probably looked at maybe when making this match up as well with with that in mind, putting them both on the main card. Like you said earlier, they really are trying to push Waterson at the moment and. Yeah, I can't see it happening, to be honest. So, yeah, so, boring fight for me. Shouldn't really be on the main card. Thank you. <laughs> I don't like this attitude today. Everyone's in a bad mood. Ever <laughs> fights to come, good fight. TK, what about you? I already told you I've got nothing to contribute on this one, mate. <laughs> Go on, Michelle Jesus. Watson. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing us up. <laughs> All right, so, next up, the fight I'm actually most looking forward to yeah. on the night. The only downside is that it's not a five-rounder. Um, Eddie Alvarez against Justin Gaethje. Uh, TK, if you want to kick us off on this one, then I've, I've got something a little bit more to contribute. Obviously, uh, only a little, ne- only a little bit. More. I've never got much to contribute. Have I? Um, in terms of, like you said, probably the most exciting fight to look at, isn't it? Star Wars, it should match up nicely. I think I don't think Gaethje is ever really going to be in a bad fight in terms of he's exciting to watch. Um, I don't know whether the fact that it's three rounds leads me to think the experience of Alvarez might play out, but then Gaethje obviously is on good tear. So I was, he's, un, he's unbeaten. That's it. I'm, I'm leaning towards him in all honesty. I think the momentum's with him. I think with Alvarez, I think he's obviously been desperate to get the McGregor one out of his system, but then the kind of the finish against Poirier with the, it was a no contest with yeah. because of the knees. Or the bookies have it priced up with um, Gaethje, I think is eight to 13 and uh, Alvarez five to four. Mm. Yeah. So 
I, I think it probably that's probably fair odds in, in all honesty in terms of you look at the the form is with Gaethje. I think Alvarez is obviously a lot more patchy since then. Um, we still don't really know the effect losing to McGregor's really had on him from that last one. We don't still don't really know. So I'll probably lean towards Gaethje, but I don't think you can be too sort of confu- too surprised at either outcome really. All right, Rory, bring us some enthusiasm. Who are you picking for this one? Um, I'm not sure I'm the man for your enthusiasm, but I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, it's a, actually a fight that I would say is the best fight on the card in terms of um, your excitement for it. I'm, I'm not overly uh, a fan of Eddie Alvarez. I'm not sure he's the best. He, he's just a very... Solid, yeah, really he's like just it. solid all round, but doesn't do anything really spectacular. <laughs> I hope Gaethje beats him, because... Alvarez has got no way back to the title, whereas Gaethje's another fun fighter to throw in the mix. Why are you looking at me like this no, is no, some no, wild no. statement? I to quote is... Cam, Eddie's a great guy. He could be a great guy. Yeah, but, but he, might, he might be speaking about Eddie from down the pub. He said he doesn't. He said he doesn't like him. No, I don't like him as a fighter. Oh, I thought he meant as a bloke. Oh no, as a bloke, he, he comes off really well on the Ultimate Fighter. I, I hope he doesn't get slapped too many more times. <laughs> but on Saturday night, when I've got Justin Gaethje in the acker. I'll be hoping for those leg kicks and knees to start raining down early doors. I think Eddie Alvarez, he likes these type of fights, but at the same time, his way to win generally has been grinding it out. And Gaethje, whilst we haven't seen his wrestling yet, I think it might be an under, underrated part if you look at his sort of uh, college days and he seems to have the pedigree there that he could defend the takedowns of Alvarez and then look to to beat him up on the feet. One thing I was really impressed with Gaethje was the leg kicks, and I think it was something that's gone massively overlooked against Michael Johnson, and he does have TKOs via leg kicks, which are really, really rare. Um, One thing I would say is Michael Johnson does get beat by most people in the division these days. I mean, (laughs) I don't think he's the best fighter in the division. No, he's dropping to featherweight to take over the division. Yeah. We'll revisit that next Check year. out the feature on uh, spitballingpod.com. <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't uh, rip into affiliates of the pod too much, but yeah. I think Gaethje gets the job done, and I, I, I think Alvarez is slowly on his way down. All right, that was a bit more passionate from you. Uh, Troy, fire us up. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you two here. Uh, well, I say you two, with Rory, in the, uh, I'm going with, uh, with Justin in this one. Um, I think Alvarez is, he's just, every time I look at him now, I see that scared rabbit in the headlights when <laughs> Connor lit him up. I don't, I don't want to, I thought we might be able to get through an episode without mentioning McGregor, but just quickly, <laughs> just like, obviously, Fuck yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously he's coming off that controversial fight last time out with Dustin Poirier, stopped with the illegal knees, um, I think if that fight carried on, he was losing it. Yeah, he got I, dropped. The f- I was delighted four. when they stopped it. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my bet, and I didn't think he was ever really? winning the fight. Oh, true. Okay, yeah. I See, Poirier was gonna. Yeah, I think him. he was winning that fight, and uh, so for me, I I, I hope that uh, Gaethje actually wins this one because I think that this is obviously he's only had one fight in the UFC, and they're looking to push him. Um, first fight coming in against Michael Johnson. I know, like you said, he he is on the down path, but he is still a little bit of a draw, and he is still a recognizable name to beat. You know, if you're coming into the UFC and it's your first fight coming up against someone like that, it's, it's, you're going to have the jitters, the nerves. So I think he'd done well to beat him the way he did as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to get a performance of the night knockout from this one, or at least an early rounded stoppage. I just don't think that Alvarez is going to be able to handle him, to be honest. So, yeah. 
I'm switching up the script. The underground king gets it done here. I think, although it was a very good fight, what is being uh, forgotten? Yes, there was the leg kicks landed, but Michael Johnson was out striking Justin Gaethje for the majority of the fight until he gassed. Questionable. He gassed. Obviously, it was because of he was being pressured by Gaethje, and I think that forward pressure only works when you're not at risk of being taken down or there's not a lot coming back at you. And although Johnson was peppering him with shots, he's not the most vicious striker. And so I think he could take the shots and take the shots. And although he was being ground down, he was still able to come back with more. Um, As has been mentioned, I think a lot depends on how well he can defend Alvarez's takedowns. And I think Alvarez has got a lot better when you look through his fights in working his strikes into takedowns. And I think if he can mix it up here, then the overt aggression of Gaethje could come back to haunt him when he gets taken down. Um, I don't see it being any way other than a good fight. So, admittedly, I do quite like Gaethje as well. So, if Alvarez has to lose, then it's one of them where I won't be too gutted seeing that it is to Gaethje because Gaethje going on, although he's definitely never going to win the title, he's always going to be in a fun fight at the weight because... this kind of level, I think he's going to be in fun fights at, but I think when you get to that kind of Tony, Connor, Khabib, then it's just not going to go well for him. So the rest of the time, if you look at this lightweight division, you could, realistically, you could just pick names out of the top 20 and match them up against each other and you've got a good fight almost every single time. Yeah, yeah true. And Gaethje particularly. So no surprise. I think, I think you'd be more surprised if this wasn't fight of the night, but I think... Um, Alvarez grinds him out in a 2-1 round decision and uh, takes home the cheese. Just one thing I've only just noticed looking at Alvarez's record. If we say RDA, realistically, we don't really know how that fight was going to go. He, he's cannoned in with one big shot. His last three wins... And are, that's all it takes. It, but his last three wins before that were all split decisions. Yeah, but they weren't, weren't they against Pettis, Cerrone? No, he lost to Cerrone. Oh, it was Pettis, one of them, wasn't it? Gilbert Melendez. And Michael Chandler. They're not bad. No, they're... no, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying he's not. Yeah, he's not like he's gone out and dominated a guy oh, over no, three but, rounds for for. But on the other hand, would you put Gaethje as a huge favorite against those three if you put him in with them? Yeah, I would now. But at the time, but this, I don't know. This was I, a time I don't know when... anything about Gaethje back then. But, yeah, but um, Pettis, Pettis had lost once, and he was still seen as just RDA was the guy who beat him, and then Pettis was a guy, and he completely nullified Pettis' striking. Well, I think Pettis has been found out, and I think so was Melendez. But it's easy to say that now. At the time, Pettis had only had the one clear-cut victory, and but, that was to RDA. My point is, I think Alvarez had a charm passage to the title. He won two split decisions and then was thrown in there with the, with. RDA. I don't know because you still have to win them, and with, this was one of our um, criticisms of Masvidal was that in those split decisions he wasn't doing enough to get the nod, and you're still doing enough to get the nod. Yeah, but I, it's just a point that I thought might might be interesting to raise. I don't think. When... I think even when he was the champion, no one really thought he was the unanimous best in the division. But at the same yeah. time, I think. You can match him up with almost anyone in the division and you're going to get a good fight out of him. And so it just kind of depends which way it goes there because a lot of it is his cardio. And if it is that Gaethje is getting tired out with his forward pressure, then the cardio of Alvarez is what's going to drown him when it gets to that third round. And he says, he said it on the Ultimate Fighter when he's making them do, they're all wanting to be doing technical training, he's making them do circuits. 
and he says, if you look back through my fights, the amount of time my my cardio has saved me. Mm. If the fight goes as you say, they might not be entertaining after all. It's just going to be grinding them out. I I think they're going to be striking, but I think the difference will be that Alvarez's takedowns between the strikes can be what mixes up and takes the rounds when it's yeah. close. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fight where both of them are going to be hurt. I feel like a Gaethje fight is just going to go that way, isn't it? Yeah, and both of them can be... Both of them hit hard enough to hurt the other, but not they're not going to clean them out in one shot either. Yeah. The miles on the clock for Gaethje as well. He's only been fighting professionally for like six years. Well, he was in that, was it, World, World, World Series, Series of Fighting, fight, yeah, where he was like clearly the best there, but he was still having wars with every single person he was fighting in there. And so he says himself, eventually he's going to be cleaned out. Yeah. It's I mean, just a matter of and then you I feel like at, a guy that accepts that. Yeah. He just says, I just, it's, it's, it it's is. Like it's yeah. And then, but you look at then Alvarez, he's been fighting since 2003. Yeah, definitely. That's why I think it's a good, it's a good match fight. And then, yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? That's a lot of time. Poirier called out the winner of this one, and I think that's a perfect matchup to make next. Well, it is, because yeah, I think he was yeah. in the process of, even if, even if it's disputed, he was going to be beaten. Alvarez, he was giving him all he, you know, he was, well, he was hurt at the plenty, time the knee came in. Yeah, yeah. At the knee, time the knee came in, but it's not a fight you complain about seeing again. No, I think no, just no. not us in particular here, but I think sometimes when we look at fights, then a close fight still seems that no matter who you're picking, we go all in on one side or all in on the other. And I think sometimes with fights like these, it could be that if these guys fight ten times, then it is like literally going to be five fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So going up the card, then again. Then we have uh, Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis, my man Henry. This is actually quite. It's going to be quite an emotional card for me here, <laughs> with Eddie Cejudo and Holloway on there. Eddie, are you lumping Eddie? on the treble? No, <laughs> you're not. You're not getting on the lump treble. He doesn't like him that much. Doesn't like him that much. <laughs> doesn't have that much. Faith. Hopefully the curse is broken because I did actually ask Eddie for an interview. I thought you asked Gaethje as well though. Gage didn't answer. Gage didn't answer. Oh, okay. Eddie's person came back and said, "We'll get in touch if we want to set this up." Oh, he's getting slept. So did Valentina Shevchenko, and he's actually insulted us. Everyone out there, <laughs> get on, Gage. <laughs> Shevchenko's manager came back and said, um, "What was it? Something like, as a manager, I'm quite concerned that you feel uh, my <laughs> clients uh, fits your brand." Like what brand. do you mean? <laughs> we just do. I literally want to ask her about her fights. What she wants next? Didn't come back. What she wants next? That might have been the problem there, Byron. <laughs> she was worried what you were going to ask. Please, <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm glad that was off mic. Okay, so Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis, Rory, kick us off. Um, yeah, I think. We had this kind of discussion a few weeks ago where we were talking about the tiers of the division. We've got DJ, then we've got Cejudo and um, Joseph Benavides, and then we got the rest. This fights into one of those where it's going to be Cejudo v. the rest. And Sergio it's... Pettis is the bookie's favourite. Really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, he's just been... Bra- yeah. He's just de- he's just dispatched Brandon Marino over five rounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah thought, but that, that doesn't... I the bookie's still Cejudo as favourite. No, I, I would fancy Cejudo to get this one done. Uh, I think he's a very good fighter. And I think in another division, he he would probably be close to being the title holder if he didn't have the best fighter in the world mm. at his weight class. You know, he, he would probably be like I don't know if you could compare him to maybe somebody a bit like Gustafsson at light heavyweight. He's always gonna be in and around the title picture, 
if if it was in a normal division where you match up the skills of people. My thing is though, Pettis keeps getting better. Yeah, that's that's how I sort of think in my head why I'm backing him in the way of the. Uh, I think I said it in the last in the last podcast when he was fighting against Marino. You know, we haven't yet to see the best of, and he keeps getting better every time he comes out. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? Really, that we we see Cejudo as the more experienced fighter of the two. But yeah, he's had like six or six fights less or so, yeah. like yeah, yeah. than Pettis. But obviously, he's been fighting at a different, you know, at a different level, etc. And obviously, done the Olympics in wrestling and that. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting fight, though. Um, real good fight. Obviously, your man Cejudo came in with the big right hook to to finish the job last yeah. time. So that's something I was never expecting either. I didn't think he had that type of power. So. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good scrap, though. I think. I think we could still be at the level though where Cejudo is perhaps still getting better. I mean, for, for an Olympic wrestler, you normally right, generally yeah. like you generally look at the Olympic wrestlers like you think about Hendo, you think about Cormier. They're generally a lot older fighters, but yeah. Cejudo's only thirty. Yeah, we did actually you know, have it wrong. Uh, Cejudo's a five to eleven favorite. Yeah, so I would have thought he would have been. We didn't. That actually surprises me. We didn't have it wrong because I was going to say I thought he was a little wider than I was expecting on the odds in terms of the form Pettis has been in. Mm-hmm. I thought they might actually have it a little bit closer, similar sort of odds as Alvarez Gaethje, where yeah. you've got a guy who is slight favourite, but as Rory kind of said, it probably does kind of go to the fact that if you didn't have DJ in the division, then you could argue that Zahudo's probably champ. Well, I suppose he would have lost to Benavidez, wouldn't he? Yeah, that, he, did, but those, he did not lose that fight. Those two are going to be you know sort I mean? of the men, aren't they? They're going to be, it's going to be a toss-up between mm-hmm. them, so I think maybe does reflect that. I think, as as we said, is striking's maybe surprised some people in terms of you generally think of him as a grappler, as a wrestler. So the fact that he's been able to improve on that, I think, is the reason you've probably got to give him the nod in this one. At what point are we going to stop mentioning Benavidez? I swear he hasn't fought in... He hasn't <laughs> fought since Cejudo. Holding out for that title fight. <laughs> I mean, from, like, uh, I mean, Troy mentioned it, from a pedigree perspective, there isn't really anyone better than Cejudo on the roster. When he was signed, he was signed as, like, the next potential big thing coming in. Within three years of taking up MMA, he had a title shot against uh, DJ, which obviously didn't go his way. Um, I'm going with Pettis to be fresh early, um, but get taken down towards the end of the round. And the issue he had against Moreno is when he was taken down, he was held down. Mm. And that was by Moreno, let alone Is that not just Cejudo. a family thing with the Pettises? Mm. Like they are strikers by trade, like. I don't know. Early, early Pettis, yeah. Early Pettis, uh, as in uh, Anthony Pettis. Sorry. He was sneaky on the ground, and he was very good off his back. Mm-hmm. And if you held him down, he he was able to get up. I think it's now. Well, I think I think with with Pettis now, not to go too off key. I think a lot of it's a confidence thing with him. Mm-hmm. Is when you build someone as being this invincible Superman, and then they lose, and not just lose, they lose in the way with. Uh, where he lost to RDA, where it wasn't just he lost, he was held down, he was mauled for five rounds. Then yeah. I think that takes a lot out of you more than we probably am, we know as as not to not keep going fighters. off topic. But how unlucky is Benavidez? He's lost four times: two to Dominic Cruz and two to Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two by split decision as well. Oh, He's still the record. <laughs> two two of the best guys <laughs> at, the, at the lower weights of all time. And now he's Megan O'Leary's side man. <laughs> it's not a bad side man. Is it? <laughs> no, I think that over five rounds, I think I'd be more confident picking Zahudo uh, as uh, Pettis tired. I think that he could hold him out. 
from what I've seen of Pettis, and I haven't seen him next to Zahudo. Zahudo looks a lot more physically stronger, just from in my head picturing them. He's quite stocky, isn't he? Yeah. Whereas uh, Pettis is quite weedy. Wiry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, weedy. Weedy. weedy was the wrong word, but wiry. Wiry. Wiry's, yeah. wiry's a nice word. Wiry. He's got he's got them long legs, and he kicks from distance to find his range. Um, but I think he's going to be held down ultimately, and I think there was a point where Cejudo's striking wasn't 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 good enough that he could mix it up to land the takedown. So he was just diving in, kind of like Maya has been doing, where he just throws himself in for a takedown. Told you, I don't get strike him much. <laughs> and once you can mix up the strikes, then obviously it makes it far easier to land your takedown. So I think he'll get the job done. But I think over three rounds. You don't really want to be chasing the fight as a wrestler. I think you more want to be defending the fight as a wrestler because the more you can't get them down, the more desperate you can be. Mm. You're screwing your face up. No, I just think as I think, a wrestler, you're aggressive and you go after the man. Well, you're, not, what you're fighting on the front foot as what, a wrestler. You yeah, don't what, take down on the back foot. No, what, what I'm saying is that I think if you've taken that first round, then you can hold someone down. But if you've lost that first round and right. it's oh, and okay. it's clear how desperate you, you are, you get a bit desperate. Yeah, and chasing it, then yeah, you can sorry. be. Then you can, can become a bit like uh, one. If, I think one-sided. the thing is, as a wrestler, I, I always fancy them to. I, I personally like backing wrestlers because I always think if they come out and win the first round, the other guy starts getting a bit desperate. That's what starts, I mean. Starts coming forward. I now understand a bit more your yeah, point, yeah. but. So the first way you said it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, I mean it's easier to defend a lead as a wrestler yeah, than yeah, to chase yeah. it. Because you've only then got a nick of takedown two minutes into the round and you've probably won the round again. And as long as you don't get KO'd in the last. It's kind of like. You set the tone for the fight as well, don't you? If you yeah. get down in the first round, you win that one. The tone's kind of set. Yeah. Well, it was kind of like um, Mourinho with those Champions League runs. Well, when he got in the lead, then it was fine. But when you would ch- you wouldn't ever want his team to go behind if you, you were supporting them, yeah. Them, yeah. Um, so if we get. comparison. <laughs> I was trying to think of something to make it a bit more uh, easy to understand. So then we have um, Nganu against Overeem. Oh, God. Which Nganu has actually uh, been confirmed this week to have the hardest punch in statistically the in the world. Ever. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's nuts. Beat Tyrone Sprong, former... I hate I hated him when he was on. Uh, he's he's the one who was on. <laughs> Can ever anyone remember Fight Night when they had that like Isaac Frost or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it was Ivan Drago. That um, Sprong is he's was he the one who was on uh, the tough season of Black Zillions against American Top Team? Yeah, yeah, it's oh, Sprong. Absolutely yeah, he's hated him. Yeah. Yeah. he's a yeah. world renowned, Me, extremely good kickboxer. Myself and Jack both absolutely the whole season we would just message him about how much we hated him. You want to tell him? Go and tell him how you're real for. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Former world record holder. Maybe not. Although, although that's impressive because Tyrone Sprong must be giving up at least sixty pounds to. We'd have to get in range to <laughs> my distance control. No, I meant to Ungano. Like the fact he's the former record holder. Not I thought you meant me and him. Topic. I thought oh, you meant he was giving up sixty pounds. I was going to say sixty. <laughs> Very disrespectful. <laughs> okay, so if I kick us off here, I don't think this is going to be as easy for Ungano as some people are making out, and I'm actually picking over him. Oh wow! Whew. Hot take. Up until today. I was picking Ngannou. Okay. <laughs> and then you realise we might all go for Ngannou. No, I was so kind of to do something different here. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was more... No, it was more... I was kind of... I was, I was just on his Wikipedia and I was looking and he's kind of been written off as being this shot fighter and then you think his only loss recently has been to Miocic and he has taken out Vadum 
and he's taken out Mark Hunt and he's taken out almost everyone else that he could possibly deal with and we haven't actually seen Ngannou in any trouble at all. He's fought a lot of shit fighters as well. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like the heavyweight division isn't deep at the best of times. When you're throwing him in against people that are not even Well, this ranked. is the thing why there's so much hype around Ngannou because a lot of the time at the moment what you're getting is you're getting these guys who have come over from uh, other disciplines or ex-football players who've decided to come in and give it a go. And Ngannou does just look like, well, I've got here, six foot four, two 254 pounds, 31 years old, 10 and one record. Yeah, th- that was the other thing that really pissed me off. The last time they showed him on a UFC screen, they billed his record as 10 and 0. He ain't 10 and 0. Got to do what you got to do. Got to beat yeah. in his second fight. <laughs> yeah, he... I think it's good for the division if he wins, and I'll be hoping he wins. But I think Overeem is a guy who's good at everything, and so he's not going to come out there, and he's not just going to be able to have the clear route to victory of taking to the ground, tap him out, stand with him on the feet, where we forget how good his striking credentials are. Overeem. Mm. The only question is how much more his chin can take. He took he took some big shots against Mark Hunt, which surprised me. When I said as soon as one landed, then he was going to be done for. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. This this isn't being hit by Ngarnio, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Troy, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you and go with, <laughs> and go with Frantz Ngarnio. Um, I think that he could possibly be the next big thing that the UFC is looking for in the heavyweight division. Um, just quickly to go off subject from it. Bellator's heavyweight division is looking pretty cool at the moment, even though it's full of old people. You know, it's full of the veterans. It's full of heavy. But <laughs> yeah, but even know, you know yeah. that that competition that they got going on is pretty good. Got you know, no weight in there, my man Chael. True, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Chael is what he is, and he he'll fight anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um. So, but uh, so for the UFC, it is a case of you know they really do need uh, that fresh blood, that real big draw for the the biggest division in the world, which it is really and. And this might be an example of why it is when I, I, I can't see the fight lasting more than one round. Like, if it does, I'll be very shocked. I can see Ngannou coming out swinging and trying to get it over with quick. And uh, and I think he'll get the job done. Um, for me, Alistair Overeem is... I, I'm not sure why he still fights, but, you know, he's all credit to him. He's still doing the job that he can do and he's still getting contracted, but... I think for me, I, I don't see what else he's got left to prove. Like, surely you've got money in the bank. And... He's never been UFC champ, I suppose. And I think if he gets one more shot at Steve, mm. he only needs to land a. His That's probably or... what he's thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the way of, like I just said, the heavyweight division is that way. That... <laughs> yeah, it can go any yeah, way. Do you know what I mean? He so... felt a tap, didn't he? Which was that one. <laughs> That's yeah. when Rogan said he'd never interview another guy that's been KO'd. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to yeah, I'm gonna stick with Ngarno anyway, going for the knockout early. Is it worth noting that Overeem actually called out Ngannou rather than the other way around? When he could easily have taken... I think realistically he could have said I'm not fighting unless it's for the title. And yeah, he's trying to stay relevant though, isn't he? I don't yeah. Think he get that title. yeah, that's my question. Has he, has he, whether he's seen something there that he fancies or it is that he, he wants the challenge? He's probably definitely seen something. Probably because I mean, like you said, Ngannou is still quite young in his career. He's probably def- and we're talking about Alistair Overeem, someone who's been in the game for twenty plus years doing this trade. So it probably is a case of where uh, he's looked at the tapes back and thought, "I could do that." And Alistair Overeem of two thousand and four probably could do that. <laughs> but we'll see, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. 
also the timing of it. If you get him now and he's not ready for it and you take him out, then you've taken out supposedly the next like baddest man yeah. they're supposed to be yeah. promoting. So then you become the... Yeah, if he wins this, I think he's almost certainly getting the title shot unless they yeah. put Kane in there. So Tika, who are you going for? Are you going for Ngarnia? I think I don't think I can avoid that conclusion when you think the power he's got, the deterioration of Overeem's chin, the way it's going, I, I think the two add up to make a pretty simple conclusion. Um, I, I agree with you in that I think it could be trickier than some are giving it and that Overeem obviously has a bucket of loads of experience and can maybe have a little bit more variety to his game. But as I said, in, in a heavyweight fight, when shots are going to be landed, I was thinking Garno's just carrying so much power that I don't think Overeem's going to be able to take it. I think the UFC... As we've kind of said, they've kind of got to pray that Ngannou does get the win because other than Kane against Mojic, I don't really see what else they do other than Ngannou. Rory, finally, you? Um, the one thing I, I will kind of look at the fight is you've got Overeem fighting out of Jackson Wink and if there's anybody or any camp you'd want in the world drawing up a game plan for you, it'd be Jackson Wink. And the other thing I think is I don't think I've ever seen Ngannou really throw a kick. He, he's generally hands like... You know, and Overeem, if he can kick with him, my major worry would be I don't know what he does if he gets in the clinch because Ngarno is an absolute monster strength-wise as well. Um, but I, I think an interesting point will be if those leg kicks that you can get landed in the in the UFC, we only had to look at um, Junior when he fought uh, Stipe. He wasn't many more leg kicks away from buckling that front leg. And I think if Overeem can come out, be patient early round, land some leg kicks, try and slow him down because... You know the only way you, you, the only way you stop a tank is stop it moving, I suppose, and that's. But uh, they've got them good roids in Jackson Wink. Well, it, it is it is just a camp that I do think you've only got to look at sort of Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey. They are renowned for drawing up game plans to beat seemingly unbeatable fighters, and I do. Uh, I I would like to see Overeem win because I, I just think Ngannou's kind of he's coming through very fast and. I don't know if you want to try and see him fight somebody like a Ben Rothwell or uh, he's suspended. Well, so, somebody like of that of that mediocre level, Derek Lewis. Yeah, like a Derek Lewis or uh, basically you're a hater. No, no, I I like Overeem. I think he he's a vet of the sport. You can't question hey, what he's done. Like he's done it all bar win that UFC belt. You know, he, he was probably going to go close to winning it after he beat Lesnar, but well, suspensions took over, and yeah. and then you know he's come back, and I think the reason people think he's so shot is because he he lost those stupid fights to people like Bigfoot, who's shit, and <laughs> he got beat by another PD cheat. Yeah, I I just think I give no credit to Ngannou for KO in Arlovsky, who's his only real name on the record. And then after that, well, Gail bums. All right, let's close this one out then. The blessed era. Is it going to continue? Holloway, we've got Aldo coming in. I'm not going to call it too short notice because he was already in training camp for a fight in a fortnight, so it's not taking too long off his camp. Um, Personally, I think that Holloway is going to take it in a near replica of the first fight. I think the only difference is you're going to see uh, Aldo try and take it to the ground a bit sooner. He did hurt Max on the feet at the end of the first round of the first fight. But I think that was one of them where that was your moment. And I, I think it's pretty disgusting that he's got a title shot again when you've got some of these people in the division. He's he's uh, one and two in his last three fights and two of them have been title fights. 
it almost seemed like a panic pick. Almost like when Frankie was out, and was like, oh, who are we going to throw in? Get you. But he could have put Cub in there because Cub was fighting on the same card. Yeah. And they just and they just made him pay his dues to be uh, Brian. Artem. Brian Ortega. Plays Brian Ortega next, didn't he? Yeah, and but Aldo is already a main event. They're not going to Aldo was booked. Aldo was booked. Aldo was booked against Lamas. Yeah, yeah. I suppose unless they make that main event and bring that forward, I don't know. It should have been Cub. Is out of respect to a former champ? But I think the thing is, how much more respect can you give him? They're going to nearly have to cancel a card if they cancel Cub v. Ortega. They don't want to do that. Mm, I think there's enough featherweight contenders that you can put them on there. I don't think. I think it's kind of like with that, it's like UFC London. You go in not for the main event, you go in for whoever is there. I don't think many people are going on the basis of it being Swanson, Ortega, mm. no matter how much of a good fight it is. Um, Rory, whilst we uh, have you on the mic, uh, are you going for Holloway to retain or Aldo for the upset? I think Holloway does probably beat him. I think Holloway's going one way, Aldo's going the other. Uh, it. It's not really, again, it's not a fight that you can really get that excited for based on the fact that there wasn't really a, yeah, it's two great names and, you know, it's it's a title fight, but you can't really get excited for a fight that was over so conclusively the last time. It wasn't like Aldo was winning the fight. It was a close fight, but I think Holloway was winning the fight. We need Aldo Frankie 3. That's the last thing we need. We don't need that. (laughs) I want... I wouldn't mind seeing Aldo fight people like Yair or Riguez or the more up and coming guys. Yair is about he's about to have his shit pushed in if they make him against uh, Magomed Sharapov. We spoke about this on uh, Saturday when uh, Magomed Sharapov won against Moraes. No, it wasn't Moraes. Another Brazilian. And then he uh, did a spinning uh, double back kick to Holloway's face on the poster. Looked pretty good though, didn't he? Yeah, he looks nuts. Six foot one at featherweight. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he missed him. When, when did he fight? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, he's, he's their next big, and they, put him, on, and they put him on. And they put him on the prelim. One. He's six foot uh, one. He, Zabib. Right. Yeah, Zabib. It's, it's Zabib Magomed Sharapov. Is he a Russian? Russian guy? No, who he's is, Russian. He's, who is it? <laughs> who is it? He's just a hunch. Yeah. Is, that, is it? Is it? And I swear he's eight. Who is it? No, who is it? The trains uh, Frankie Edgar. Oh, um, oh, he's he's a Mark River Toms. Mark, uh, oh, what's his name? Mark Henry. Yeah, that's it. And he's actually the world's strongest man. He sees, <laughs> he sees so much in Zabib that he's actually learning Russian so he can coach him properly in the corner. Zabib with strikes, isn't he? He's. I'll show you a picture in a moment. Yeah, he he's terrifying. Yeah. On the ground, he's just everywhere. He's going for these just weird submissions. Then on the feet. Is he a Sambo he just, guy again? Or, he just or what? Yeah, but he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's had two fights in the UFC now. And um, the first time, he was pressed up against the cage. Um, and he had the guy pressed up against the cage, but he had his arms around him. And he leaned forward and he bent his heel over the top of him and then healed the guy. Yeah. A scorpion kick. In the head, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, TK, what about you? Who are you uh, going for on Aldo uh, Holloway? Just actually to give my prediction, I do think Holloway. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think Holloway beats him quite possibly with a unanimous decision this time. Yeah, I think the worry with this fight is the turn off of it is the fact that you think it could be an exact replica of the first in terms of might finish him late. 
Or he might, Jesus Christ, that picture. How does he even make the weight cut if he's six foot one? Doesn't look like... He's Russian, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he, he he called out Choi as well, so whoever, whichever one. That'd be fun either way. Choi versus Yaya is actually the fight I want. But... Yeah, the fun fights. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we could well see, if not a replica, very, very similar. I think the worry for people is probably that, as Roy said, as Alda's kind of going down and Holloway's going up, Alda did look kind of gassing out towards the end, and it was only, what, the third round when they stopped it, so yeah, I think that's got to be a concern. I think if Alda can start throwing some more leg kicks again, obviously that's part of his armoury, so yeah. the fact that he didn't re-throw any and they were saying, they came out and said it was due to an injury afterwards, didn't it? which kind of stank of excuses a little bit. But if he is able to do that, then I think the fight becomes more interesting. Uh, but you're kind of, if you're hoping for Ronaldo to win, you're basically hoping he kind of rolls back the years, which I always think you're kind of clutching at straws when you're doing that. So I think he might be a little bit more cautious, which might mean the decision for Holloway this time. But if he gasses similar to the last time, I could see him taking him out late, maybe a little bit later than before. But I think either way, Holloway's going to have to get it done. All right, Troy, if you close us out here, give us your prediction. Yeah, I pretty much feel like TK's stole my notes because <laughs> I pretty much li- literally was thinking the exact same thing about his kicks and stuff. Yeah. Like with Aldo, the only the only way he wins this fight is if he chops him down like a tree. Yeah. And if we see 2010 Aldo turn up, then maybe that'll happen. But it's very unlikely that that's gonna happen. And and uh, like you said, Rory, they're both going in different directions. They're one's on the up and one's on the down. And and uh, yeah, it's it's not a fight that. I, that gets me jumping out of my seat. I don't. It wasn't a after the original one. I didn't really think. Well, yeah, I'd like to see a rematch of this no. like, at all. It's annoyed me a little bit that Egg has got injured. The frigger getting injured like so, <laughs> but because um, that's that's going to be a fight. You know what I mean? Where if that inevitably will be the next one, I would have thought. Um, but yeah, I I think Holloway will end this quite early. Uh, I don't I don't think he's in there to t- to play around this time. I think he's. He's probably a bit frustrated that he's got to fight him as well. He's probably under the same things of what you just said, Luke, in the way of that, well, why the hell does this guy deserve a shot? You know, there's other fighters out there that he could be fighting and putting on potentially better fights, you know, good entertaining fights, and this isn't, you know, really going to do that. But hopefully, yeah, Holloway can light him up nice and early and and, uh, and we'll see a good entertainment first round. But I would, I do like Jose Aldo and I would like to see him you know, come out with them firing leg kicks and break his legs. That would be entertaining. <laughs> also, it's not going to happen, but we can all live in he hope. It. Yeah. Following a disappointing one-all draw at Wembley this weekend, the question for us all is: How good really are Spurs? TK. I feel like we're maybe having a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. No. So I feel like you just you just kind of been waiting for Spurs to drop some points and then you can kind of go in. Well, I mean, they've dropped points the last two weeks. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just, we obviously had a few disappointing Arsenal results this season. We've not talked about Arsenal the following week on the pod. But we have. I'm we, sure it's coincidence. So. We have. I spoke about, I wanted Wenger gone. I cried on the podcast and I had to get a beer. You did. You did, actually. And then you now you're Wenger in. Interesting. When we Flimsy. lost 4-1 to Liverpool. Do you remember him cracking a can open? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Bank holiday yeah. Monday. Yeah. It's crisis remember, time, yeah. wasn't it? I remember that one. Hmm. I, it definitely I think, happened. I think they're maybe just... They are where they are now. Were they fifth in the table now? I don't think that's probably unfair. I think them, Arsenal and Liverpool are in a similar sort of bracket. I think those yeah, three... Yeah, they're fifth. 
those three could end up competing for the fourth spot, probably. What, what's surprising about that? I think we're going to come second. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. What? what, in Europa, Europa League group, maybe? That's about it. No, we've topped our Europa League group. Is that yeah. done and dusted? Yep. No, I mean, Spurs' Champions League run might kind of hinder their actual league progress as well, so that could come back to bite them. Liverpool's defence has always come back to bite them. Arsenal always have their issues, so they've got... So those three teams are probably in their own little bracket below the top three, I'd say. Don't think that's disrespectful. No, well, I mean, we thing with us is we usually falter at this stage of the season, but we know we have to actually get the points now because Alexis and Ursula aren't going to be there for the second half of the season. So you're thinking they're literally going in January? Alexis, one hunter. Why would you not send him in the summer, then? To see. Well, because he, he's free in the summer. Yeah, but you knew that last summer, I meant. That's what I meant last well, we, time. Why we, did you not send him then? Because Wenger wanted to prove a point. No, because he wanted to get a replacement, apparently. Yeah, just... Well, I think... So, uh, no, if you lose him on, on the I cheap, mean, we don't want to get too far off topic, because this is about Spurs. Because we might go in on Arsenal, which but, we don't want, obviously. But, 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 but... The thinking was, he wouldn't possibly perform poorly in a World Cup year, which backfired when Ospina fumbled an indirect free kick into his own net to put Chile out of the World Cup. Yeah. So they no longer have to. But him performing well in the first half of the season isn't going to drive his price up because they all know he's out of contract in the summer. But well, anyway, no, no, no. The thing was up. that he would then he would go free, but at least we would get a solid like a year out of him where he has to play well. Yeah, terrible, terrible idea. But um, yeah, Spurs are a little bit like Nando's. It's, it's good, but is it is it that good really? It's, it's not. You're told it's brilliant, but is it's it, not it's real. quite good. But yeah, that's a good analogy. Is it? Is, you're told it's fantastic, but it is chicken and chips. It's decent, but it's a good chicken and chips. Yeah, yeah, it's good, but they get off. What you've been told? They get off lightly with the media spurs, very lightly. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't. Kind of Pochettino's kind of been described as a genius most of the year, and he's he said got a team that's what point behind Arsenal is it now? Yeah, with the Arsenal game, so. he said that he would rather have made the progress they've made than win the two FA Cups that we have. When what progress have they made? What progress have you made? They are. We've won two FA Cups. Yeah, well, come on, you're not really progressed. But they've they've progressed in terms of they got a better team. But if you ask their players, they'd rather have the two FA Cups you than can, a second place medal. But but winning the FA Cups would show they're progressing as well. So it's not like the two don't go hand in hand. The two do go. But hand he in talked hand. it down as if it was something Arsenal would rather he, have. He kind of talked down the League Cup as well, didn't he? He said yeah. he's not interested in the League Cup, which when he's not won anything. You may as well try and win any trophy you can. Mourinho always goes to it every year. And he's won a lot more than Pochettino has. Yeah, I think they're a good team who, maybe not for a fault of their own, I think it's they've been oversold and so now they're struggling to deliver with what they've been. Has it, when the seasons where they've done well, they've done well, but it's also been part of package of the other teams have faltered around them. So I think all these top six play their best football, then then I think they're shown to be a lot more what they are. I don't know. But then the last couple of seasons, they have a phase like this, not necessarily at this point in the year, but they have a phase where their form dips a bit. And then people start saying, look, things like this, that maybe they're overrated, or so that um, they'll say it next week. I bet all the pundits have next week say, oh, Spurs look a bit tired at the minute. They're not playing as well because the, they play a similar team like Kane every week. One of the things has been, though, is when they faltered. I mean, the last couple of seasons, you've had United have been poor, or you've had Arsenal have been poor, you've had Chelsea have been poor, and this season you've kind of got everyone, even if they're not at the top of their game, everyone is performing to a level where 
you can't really have a slope in your performance because then you're going to lose ground on. Mm-hmm. But everyone's going to, other than City, everyone that already has had a bit of a dip or will show yeah. that they can. The other thing as well is, we used to be laughed at for saying that fourth place isn't a trophy, which I still don't believe it is. But there is now some kind of achievement for being in the top four, aside from if you don't win it, then it's not any achievement at all. Mm-hmm. Well, as you kind of alluded to, there is kind of a top six now, isn't there? Yeah. So there is almost a bit of achievement to come in top four as that. Yeah. And that whereas before you did tend to have four teams that probably were a bit of a cut above, whereas now it's a bit more. But similar to you, I don't think you can be saying a successful season just because you came. But they seem to be like Arsenal just after they moved to the Emirates where they've got a solid squad there. They could be at risk of losing their players. They don't have the money because they're building their new stadium and they're mm. trying to keep up with the other big boys. Yeah. yeah. And it's how, and I think it could be testament to Wenger as to how he managed that because with Spurs, I don't know if, I don't want to say this wrong because I don't think the ambition was really there for us to win it while we were there, but there was still an expectation that we'd be challenging even when it didn't happen. And with Spurs then, I think there is a fine line for there to be as to how much we expect of them, but at the same time, you have to make at least maintain your position. You can't slip when you go through yeah. this transition. Yeah, importantly for them is going to be keeping their players. It's keeping like Kane and Ali. They they have to keep them. If they don't, then it's basically you're basically admitting that you're not. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of Spurs fans saying that they love the club. When I mean, I've gone through that mistake myself, where you think the player, and I'm sure they do probably love the club as well, but they can also love another club and the money and the trophies that come yeah, with it. More likely to win automatically at City or United or whatever, so probably get more money. I can well. actually see Kane at United as well. I could, that's horrible. Isn't it? But against Lukaku, that's a... I can't see that, to be no. honest. I don't... I don't. You don't spend £90 million on a striker to then buy someone else to challenge with him or replace him True. in a few years. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial here. Race yourselves. Spurs are the best team in the league. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying I knew that it. That was coming as soon as he said something controversial. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that they're the best team. That's pretty much. As in, it, I've maybe not made sense. Of what most organised team or what? They're the best team in terms of what they've done with the size of the club and what they've spent. City, all right. City plays. City play the best football oh in the league, God. right? That reaction. Go on. City, Go play, on. City play the best football in the league. Constantly. He spent three hundred million this summer. Yeah, How much fair. did they spend last summer? Yeah, you Two hundred, probably. Half a billion. Well, you're you're a better team than you like they spent <laughs> Well, no, no, I'm not saying it like that. But what I'm saying is Spurs have come second the last two seasons. They've got Harry Kane who they've bought for the academy. Ali bought for five million. Dembele was, what, ten million? Ericsson was eight and a half. Ericsson was eight and a half. Because they're, they're, what they're doing with the club is they're buying players who, for not large fees and they're still challenging at the very top. They beat Real Madrid. They beat the best team <laughs> in the world. <laughs> He's, go, he's going to mention the Arsenal beating them in, a minute, in yeah, two yeah, seconds. Yeah, two, he's yeah. going to mention it. It's in 2006 <laughs> when you had Thierry Henry, is what you're going to say. Best Premier League striker. Yeah, best Premier League when you're in your invincible season, so that doesn't really count. What I'm yeah, trying to say is that, close, close to, what I'm trying to say is that for a team that haven't spent a lot of money, they are still challenging every year. Challenging? For the Premier League. The best team doesn't challenge. 
Le- okay, so in, in his in his in his second season when they finished second behind Leicester, well, they finished third that year. Uh, uh, they, third, third, they, 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 they threw it away up. on the last day. <laughs> okay, so they threw it away <laughs> on the last day. Third, third, two horse race. I think that's the famous quote. Don't third. say that to a Spurs fan. They then finished second last year. Am I correct? Pretty sure it was Chelsea. It was Chelsea yeah, and then, then, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an improvement from from last year. Neither time have they ever really been challenging. They've been properly. They've been there or thereabouts. Yeah. You said they were the best team in the league. <laughs> in terms of the, with the resources of what they have, yeah. That doesn't make them the best team. <laughs> as I said, maybe my quote at the start wasn't as explained as what it should have been. They are the best team in the league with the resources they have. In a pound for pound ranking. Yeah, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Technically, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. The pound for pound kings. <laughs> you got to th- you don't put a middleweight over heavyweight, but you can put him top. They don't. Players. They don't pay a lot of on wages. They don't spend big on transfers. Very, very rarely. Don't give me that. When Sanchez was the biggest transfer, they've had forty million. Is that an overspend? Eric Lamella wasn't. Was he thirty-five? Yeah, yeah, yeah Sanchez is their biggest signer at forty million. And he doesn't look a bad player, to be fair. Yeah, Son looks an absolute snipper. What they, they get? Yeah, Son, for? what? 20 odd million? 20, 20 yeah. Million what they're doing is, if he stays there long term, they'll win the league. And if he doesn't, the next club he goes to will be dominant. Honestly, I don't think you should get the mic back. <laughs> so what you mean is they're the best value team in the league? Yes. Still incorrect. Well, no, Ooh. I... They're the best value team, and consistently, they're the best team over the last three seasons, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, technically, they are the best team in the league, because they have been consistent over the last three years. He's right, they are consistent. The best team in the league won't be do- known until May. But that doesn't make them the best team in the league. <laughs> over yeah. the last few seasons. Yeah, I don't think you get a cumulative points to walk on. I'm going to have to agree yeah. City, but, but if you would have had, they would actually be top. <laughs> That's a fact. So what we're talking like, you get one point if you come first, two points if you come second, and the least <laughs> amount of points <laughs> over the last three years is Spurs, so therefore they're the best team. They are the best team in the league. This could be, we might bring back Merson's claim of the week for that. I like it. I think Spurs, Spurs are a very good side. They're playing without really a home ground. Realistically, don't get yeah. me started on that either. <laughs> they've got one of the best defensive units in the league. They've got one of the best keepers in the league. Their attacking midfielders are some of the best in the league, and they've probably got the best striker in the league. So they are one of the best teams. Yeah, Thank you. but Connor said they're the best team. Spurs are the best team in the league. Yeah, that would mean. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's the thing I like about this podcast. We stick by our opinions. Despite the fact he tried to shirk it almost immediately. <laughs> as I said, didn't explain myself as maybe I should have done. But I think I just think they're underrated. Underrated? I think they're underrated. The only thing that does go against them and when I did the... Um, blog thing at the start of the season when I said about Tottenham this year I said they need to win a trophy no matter what it is yeah. whether it's the League Cup the FA Cup they're going for that Europe aren't they that's the thing I t- I, I I t- I'm I, joking but <laughs> you never know they'll be a tough team to beat in Champions League 
the problem, the, the thing about them is that they've got the ability to probably defend against any team in the world. And yeah, they're organised. And, and they, 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 will, <laughs> they have, they, they have. They, they they've got. If they're, they're all fit, they've got a really very, very strong back line. Yeah, they got a strong back line. They're good. Go- they'll score goals against anyone. Yeah, King, King and he's will get you a goal. He's one of, for England, and he gets his tactics spot on majority oh. of the time. The only thing with them is with the Champions League run, the squad's not huge. It's a decent that, that, squad, but it's yeah. not huge, and that's so probably the problem. Some they injuries have. and fatigue sets in. He does like to play sort of like a Although pressing you, game. Where you do say that now, they have got they have bulked up a little bit. When you think up front, they have Lorente to come in. Who's I've never been sold him. I've got. I've, I think he's alright. Just he's, in terms of the way they play, he can't really replicate what Kane does. I don't think. Son Lamella's back now. In midfield, Again. they they got Dembele, Sissoko, Sissoko. One, Sissoko. One Sissoko. No. Sissoko, no. Sissoko's been really good. Winks is a good player, very good player. Yeah, I I was it's mainly Kane, I suppose. Kane are they just people that can think, kind of get him a goal? I think the I, player that I, goes mm. so underrated. So they they got Larice in goal. I think is one of the best keepers in the, in the league. Eriksson, if he had a bit of more pace about him, he would genuinely yeah. be so good. Because his, his ability to find the pass and his distribution, and he does pop up with the odd goal as well. He is mm. genuinely a such a talent. Yeah. I can't believe Liverpool let Ali go because they didn't want to pay an extra two million, and Ericsson was linked with coming to Liverpool. If you check one of them in, mm. I mean, I don't think attacking midfielders really our issue. No, no, <laughs> unless no. they can finish centre half. I, I, I do think at, at the start of the season, a lot of us did agree that their starting eleven is one of the best in the league. Yeah, we I'm, all we all agree with that. They're all Absolutely. fit. They, they're all fit. They're eleven v eleven. You fancy them against anyone? Mm. Well, you it's fancy them to go close against there. anyone. <laughs> it's not in the north. I think the thing is, we, we are in a weird position this season. Like, yeah, I know Man City are kind of rolling away with the league, but it's so hard to pick up points this year. Yeah, like I was thinking, do they? Liverpool have been shit this year. Some games, and they're still in and around. If they had a one on Saturday, they'd go on third. Mm. Yeah, it's not. Some- so they're five minutes away. It's like it's probably not t- best time to bring the start up when Arsenal aren't in the competition. But do you see? Um, I retweeted it on the spitballing page. Liverpool's oh, wins God, in the Champions good. League. Yeah. Was it since 2011? We've barely been in it. Yeah, I mean that is the point, isn't it? But yeah, but the wins were. It was something awful, wasn't it? It's just well, the two against Maribor this year. Yeah. 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 And like people overlook that that point we got away there. Though. <laughs> it's not an easy point. No, I mean, we've only been in it a couple of times, haven't we? So, I can always remember being but... sat at uni with my laptop all set up and ready to go when we played Basel. And by half-time, I was around the kebab shop to cheer me up. <laughs> it was fucking dreadful, wasn't it? When I watched Ricky Lambert walking out to the Champions League <laughs> with us, I knew, what are we doing here? <laughs> Mario Balotelli carrying us for that little Garrett's oh, win as well. God. When he just poked that one home for his first goal. It was a great finish, but Christ. How times have changed. The year before, we had Suarez and Sturridge at the top. <laughs> Lambert, we Balotelli. still had Sturridge, he was just in the stands. <laughs> Lambert, Balotelli and Barini. We could have gone down with that. <laughs> Sad topic for us to get into this week. Um, late last week in uh, Perth, an amateur kickboxer named Jessica Lindsay died while cutting weight for about at 18 years old. Um, we've been kind of talking about discussing this for a couple of weeks now, and so this obviously is the perfect time to do it. Um, and it's just, what are the issues with weight cutting? What can be done to combat the issues that have arisen? And 
Or, on the other hand, are there actually any issues? Um, so, got an open forum here. Say what you feel. That's what we're all about here. Rory, kick us off. Um, it's, it's obviously horrible to hear that we've got to the stage where fighters are cutting that much weight that they are putting themselves in danger. I mean, we mentioned briefly earlier when we said, how does that guy make the weight? It shouldn't be expected that you have to make the weight. I think it's a lot worse in MMA than it is in... or it's probably a lot worse in um, disciplines where you have less weight classes like MMA and you do have that call is, do we have enough weight classes? You get those guys, they can either go up six or seven pounds or they can try and drop 10. Or, you know, it 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 is hard and it is not nice to see that, that we have got fighters up that such a drained way and then you, you're not allowed to have the um, the drip now to refuel. Divey. The IV, yeah, it it is. Well, it's not nice to see, but I mean, do we really, really like from the sidelines see enough people calling for it to be stopped? I mean, I know Joe Rogan's a massive advocate of people fighting at their natural weight, but you don't see many people saying, "Oh, I would really love to see that guy fight his walking round weight." And there's not many fighters that ever want to do it because they they don't have that natural strength or or ability at their natural weight when they drain themselves down and then beef up for fight night, they do, you have something added in yourself. I don't, well, that's, that, I don't think there's actually an issue. I think the issue is that some fighters go in there with a bully mentality and so try to fight at unnatural weight, be the bigger person at the weight, <laughs> and instead then go on. And I think if you're torturing yourself to get to a weight, then fight at the weight class above. You may be at a disadvantage, but it's kind of something you have to deal with. It's one of the negatives of being in the sport that you can be undersized or you just have to find a way to do the weight cut and I think a big issue is some fighters don't stay in shape the whole year round and it seems like a name dropping I feel bad when I do it each week but speaking to Louis Smolker last week um, and he was saying how he's had issues weight cutting before so his issue now is he officially starts camp earlier but he's not actually in a proper camp. It's just that he's getting his weight down, so he's starting his camp at a lesser weight, mm. and he's not killing himself and dropping a stone in the last week before he gets there, because I was going to say heavyweights. Obviously, heavyweights don't have to really drop weight in the most part, but some of these like light heavies dropping, say, a stone in fight week isn't good, but there's a lot more to fall off them. It's when you're getting at these lower weights, at like the flyweights and the bantams and things like that, and they're dropping the horrible amounts of weight at the last thing where they're going into the saunas and they're steaming out themselves rather than actually dropping body fat. But it's not good for your brain either. If you've got no water around your brain when you're getting hit, you're, no, you're, not your head's just getting rattled, which Unfor- is not, not good. Unfortunately, it is going to be a thing where someone is always going to try and get an advantage. I mean, not just limiting it to MMA. Uh, Canelo is a prime example, isn't it, where it's been known before where fighters have spoken to him and um, was it Matthew Hatton where... He said he got in the ring the day after. And he was like, "Fuck me!" It was like a different bloke yeah, seeing opposite him yeah. because he said they were licking their lips the day before. <clears throat> this guy looks dodgy on the scales and all sorts. <laughs> um, maybe not the best example now to use, but it was Bobby Nash who uh, on the UFC Shanghai card, and uh, he was on there, and they were saying how he believes uh, weight cutting is just. Uh, mental detriment as you're getting in there and so people should fight at a natural weight and then you'll be more focused because it's all in the mind and you don't have anything hindering you he did go on to lose but <laughs> it wasn't but it wasn't it wasn't for lack of size and it was just that the guy was more skilled than him going in there 
but obviously we've seen the other way around. Like you've got Kelvin Gastelum who's stepped up, and it's not certain we particularly want to talk about too much given what happened to Bispin aside from Rory. <laughs> but you can see there that you can fight and you can be undersized and you can still win. Obviously, that's not the case for all fighters, but maybe if more fighters stuck to their actual weight class, then we would see it. But yeah, I think you just got to make the choice. You have got to suffer the horrible weight cut or fight at your natural weight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's down to the, the fighters themselves to make the decision. They know how much they can cut and it's silly for them to go into fight week needing to cut a stone maybe or needing to cut, especially, as you said, for the lower lower weight fighters, for them to cut the small amounts that they have to. Surely they must go into the camps knowing what weight they need to be at and be prepped for that maybe a week before. If you Surely you must feel better going into the, a fight a week before being at that weight. You've had a week at that weight mm. then going into it and you know what you feel like, your body's going to feel like rather than draining yourself maybe 48 hours before a fight being dehydrated to then try and get hydrated again in 48 hours can't be good for your your body both well your body and your brain I, I imagine there just seems to be there is a sort of athletic sort of boost to it they seem to think that if they're on weight too soon in a camp then they kind of it's like they peak too soon and they just kind of feel flat by the time they get there it seems to be that they kind of can leave it and then rehydrate at the last minute and suddenly they feel that on that night then there's like a sort of energetic boost to it is that a is that a thing? It's, it seems to be only in terms of it's been done for so long in terms of boxing and MMA the that like, there must be like benefits to it. You just feel such a bag of shit cutting the weight that you then feel great when you. That's what I mean. Is, is it a mental thing or maybe I don't know whether they can do any scientific proof to see whether that's a thing or whether it's just a mental. I mean, the, the issue being obviously some of it is by the time it gets to fight week, obviously it is a lot of it like water weight and stuff that they're yeah. taking off. So mm. it's not necessarily that they're having to lose weight, but the fact they're getting rid of that obviously is then dehydration yeah. as we spoke about. Your body's meant to be hydrated. It's meant to be hydrated. That's the thing, yeah. isn't it? So if they're coming in to that, at that weight a few days before, surely that then prepares them for what they're going to be yeah. at on fight night so their body's prepared a few days before. In terms of like ways around it, I have seen a lot of people talking about same day weigh-ins. I don't know whether that, like it used to be back in the day, I don't yeah. know whether that would benefit. The only th- I think there is, you know, you're going to have more drained fighters and so it's going to take away from the quality of the fight. But how much time do they have to rehydrate? Because then do you not, I suppose, do you not I mean, bother to cut like they are? The people that I, that I do feel bad for and does fit in with this story are particularly the women because there are less weight classes and so I can understand from their point mm-hmm. is particularly for the UFC, sorry, where now we're only going to have three weight classes, is that you saw fighters who were cutting to specifically fit into those particular classes. But we see it more and more fighters like Michael Johnson going down to fight where he wants to be the bigger man at the weight because it's, I think you can expend your options, particularly in the UFC where it's you've got a certain amount of fights and if you're losing, then you're done. It kind of gives you a new lease of life and you think you can take it on. But then you can see the other side of it, like with Anthony Pettis, where he thought about going down. The weight cut was so bad that it was the only time he's been finished, and that of a sub before the uh, Poirier fight. But he was finished in there, literally because his body just couldn't take anymore. You saw him getting on the scales, and you can see that kind of like fragile limp they do walking onto the scales, where they just look like it's just uncomfortable to be even walking. How um what kind of level was this woman at that died? I mean, I don't I don't know a lot about the story. It was but... she was an am- amateur kickboxer. So I'm I'm assuming that, um, kind of going on your point there, TK. I think that would have been a same day weigh in, so it probably would have been. Yeah. I don't I don't know how much it really helps. 
the only then way, again, you're, sorry, Cornwall. I said the only way that I can really think that you may be able to, well, not get over it, but to an advantage is if you say, for instance, four weeks before a fight, a fighter is allowed maybe five pounds or six pounds e- either way. They have this in boxing. Yeah, is that yeah, no, whether they take that the across? Check weigh-ins aren't that strict though, in terms of I think it's like five pounds is no, still no, a lot more than yeah, stone or so. At that but point. whether they do the check weigh-ins with MMA, whether it's two, three, four, you need to be at this weight or you've got an allowance of this, so that yeah. they're not draining themselves too much before coming in over heavy, yeah. or maybe under heavy, depending on whether they're going up. That's the only way I, I can think of how you can do it fairly, and if they're outside of that allowance, then and kind of more regular ones because I think yeah. they do like literally like a month one, but then after that, you might not lose any weight after that check weigh, and then yeah. you're still like a stone out by the time you get to fight week. It's no real benefit. I think maybe um, like we have year round testing with USADA, maybe not so much weight testing, but maybe a hydration testing, and so we know mm-hmm. how well your body is hydrated, and then if it's below a certain percentage when it comes to the fight that you're not able to fight or maybe they test your body at like the UFC is a, is a big enough organization. I suppose this is where it comes in that some organizations won't be able to afford the same care, but maybe if there was like an independent testing organization to say kind of what you can put your body through and how low you can take your body like scientifically. So you're at a certain level of health. The problem being you're under, they're under no obligation out of camp to do that. So and when you're out, and they can't if you're dehydrated there's nothing that's not illegal you're not no, taking no, no. drugs guess, you're not doing anything else so how can you the other problem is is that each person's different aren't they each person's body can take different amounts yeah. which like, that's the only problem I mean the UFC with their new centre that they have surely that's something which scientifically they yeah. should look or could look into but even like stupid things like outside of camp they're free to do what they want so if they run like, on a night on the piss and then the next day they could be massively dehydrated yeah, if you got yeah, tested yeah. the next day yeah, you, you would fail that I and mean, it's not like Drugs I mean, where you can never be taken points. No, I mean, if there was a doctor that like, routinely, they all have to go in to have their body tested. And so mm-hmm. they're told this is how low your body can go kind of thing scientifically. Or because there's been mention of more weight classes, which I couldn't disagree with more because I think it just waters down the product. It takes away from your world titles. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the UFC, it maybe helps because you have more belts you can sell. And so you get more pay-per-view money in. But I also think it kind of takes down the product when you're going to have like triple champions, people who can fight in like three, four different weight classes. The whole point of UFC was to get away from boxing type of things as well, which yeah. is an argument against boxing. I Too think many junior. Sort of yeah, things. I th- I think as bad as it is, I mean we've coped for this long. The science is going to come on, and I think eventually the science is maybe going to help with the cutting side of it, and so people may make the weights differently, or mm. we just need scientists, and so we just need more knowledge out there as to what's being done to your body when you cut weight. And so these fighters can learn, at least they know what they're doing to themselves. Because I know in boxing, um, Paul Butler was stopped from fighting before when he was cutting weight because um, he was seen going into the sauna, oh, which God. the British board uh, which British board don't let you do. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's done, but it's kind of, if you if they know you're doing it, then they have to stop it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it gets risky because someone like of his size, who clearly is that small and doesn't have that's the weight to take to off, when you're trying to boil yourself down even more, then it's not healthy. And so maybe they need, like, they do seminars at the UFC. Maybe they just need to teach these people what they can do to cut weight, the differences, because it's it's worse for your body, like we saw with the likes of Hatton and now Fury and that kind of thing, where your weight fluctuates and you're going up and down, up and down, up and down. It is. Don't be Fury, no, be too, no, be Fury be too dehydrated no, at 18 I mean, stone. Like, I think it'll be all right. It is, your job to be, it is your job to be the fighter, and I think you need to be professional year round. And so mm. you can't be 
obviously enjoy yourself between fights because it's not the same as an office job where you're going in every day, but you at least need to be professional enough to not put yourself where you're going to then make it unhealthy, like Khabib going up like stones between camp. Yeah, it's clearly bad when, and then when you're taking it off like rapid fire, then that's that's where the issue is. You just need to respect your body more and not put yourself in a position to be killing yourself to take weight off. I think the problem is like you see these guys killing themselves. Is it not the point that they need to realise they're probably only going to be professional between ten and twelve years maximum? Mm-hmm. Surely can't you do yourself ten years of justice and you can do what the fuck you want when you retire? You're gonna have the money to do. That's yeah, yeah. I suppose that's just the professionalism, isn't it? But then that's that's the money side of things. It's, I yeah. guess it's similar with football, where some people, when they get professional, they're happy to sit at a lower Premier League club or sit in a Championship when you know they are good players and they could probably, if they push themselves, they could be established yeah. or Premier do we, League players. Do we get to the point where I know it's different for boxing because you're mm. self-employed, and but for the UFC you are an employee. Do we not get to the point where they've got this performance institute and you have nutritionists that? specifically help fighters but then yeah. you get to the point of that's, you can't really have a shared nutritionist because you run the risk of him sharing secrets with other fighters yeah. well they did this with um, Khabib where they assigned him a nutritionist from the UFC right? and so it clearly is there but it's kind of the UFC have no motivation to do it for a lower down fighter because no. realistically I was trying to think of a name then but I feel bad Like I, I can't think of a specific name but someone on your fight past prelims you have no it's not doing anything for you you can take them off the card and, and you're still doing the same numbers yeah. and so it doesn't benefit them to send them a nutritionist and pay for them year round yeah. their argument would be we pay you this much for 25 minutes work you should be paying for this out of your own thing if this is what you need do you not get the problem where you have got fighters that if they miss weight they get docked the money yeah. that's their punishment yeah, yeah. Are they, are they, are they well, really... I they're saw, still doing the same job. Yeah, because yeah. I saw a thing, um, Damian Brown, who fought uh, Camacho, and he was saying that the benefits of missing weight outweigh what you uh, the punishment you receive when you miss it. And so it helps you more in the fight. And, you, and then in the UFC's case, you get your bonus for winning. People like give up shots of belts for doing it. In like boxing, for example, if you miss the IBF check weight, yeah. you think, oh well, yeah, I you, don't care. You won't, Javonta it. Davis. you won't get a belt. You won't get a title shot if you can't make weight in the UFC. They wouldn't give you one. No, yeah. but you're still you're still getting your like win bonus yeah. kind yeah, of thing. If you win, even if the guy keeps on to the belt, then it's well, I've still got the win over him. So yeah. he's really the champ, even though it's because you missed weight. Um, but the other thing is the kind of we know the risks that they're under. So I think a lot of the fighters are going to know it as well. You say like educating them, but I think most of them know the risk. Yeah, they're not they're just They're yeah. guys who happen to go in a cage and fight. I think they know the risk <laughs> they're taking. And well, maybe if you, they, they, they maybe if you accept, head, maybe if you headshots, a few of them don't know what the risk they, they're kind of they, taking anymore. I think but. they accept that risk. I think they, they know the advantages they can have with the weight if they can play with it right. I think that's kind of the potential for dehydration or whatever, balanced mm. out against the potential wins from having the size match or whatever. Yeah. I think they balance yeah. out. I think they obviously know their own bodies, but I think yeah. maybe some of the coaches or their team need to maybe take more responsibility. I mean, if they're going in three weeks before a fight and they can see that their fighter isn't or is going to struggle to make weight, they need to do something about it. Yeah. And if it's happening over and over and over again, that's the team's fault. As well, as much as it is the fighter's fault, it's the team's fault for... You know, I imagine yeah, most of them have a nutritionist, most of them have a personal trainer... And they need to be doing more if that's the case. They not just need somebody there. Like you do watch a lot of these UFC kind of um, documentaries. 
and no offense, but a lot of them are like big kids. Mm. Like they they are still trying to have as much fun as possible. Do they not just need a management team around them that tells them what they can and can't do? Well, let's be honest, they're they're fighting for a living, so that I'm not as harsh as it sounds. They're not going to be the most clever, you know. No, well, Rich Franklin was the was one guy. Like, there there will just be not some, many that. Yeah, there will be some it's cases the same where, as like yeah. football or athletics generally. Committed your life to that. So yeah, generally, yeah. generally, you're blessed if you're good at everything. If yeah. you're good sports wise, you're intelligent. Like Frank Lampard, for example, very bright guy. Yeah, and is able to like perform it to is a kind super of high level with footballers. Why a lot of them tend to get agents now, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. The, the fact that they advise them on what to do because Let them deal with that. just yeah. they say just play football. We'll yeah. do everything yeah. outside yeah. of that, and maybe obviously the money's probably not there as much as what it is in in football. But with boxing, MMA. Especially with the UFC coming, the money coming into that now as much, then maybe that's where the case where they can get teams around them, advisors around them. But generally, most of them do have managers. I mean, like for you, Byron, if, if ever you're trying to set up an interview, generally you get a manager. Yeah, mm. but are they? As I said, are they just media managers? Are they? Yeah, or they, yeah, are, yeah, maybe they need to be all all, yeah. all round. Um, as I said, I can't imagine someone like Eddie Earn saying to Anthony Joshua, <laughs> "You need to cut some weight, mate. Yeah. You're, you're looking yeah. a bit." Yeah, no. you're looking too trim this time around. They are surrounded by a lot of yes men, a lot of them, aren't they, as well? So we're just going to put up yeah. with, with whatever. A lot of them as well, they're friends, aren't they? Yeah, People so they've grew up with, they, they get their team in of, you know, yeah. he, oh, he's been rolling with me Give since I was young. And yeah, we're giving <laughs> yeah, him, we're he can do this. He can do, <laughs> it's, not, it's not people who know their stuff. He and want done, job yeah. All right, so to wrap this one up then, um, if I just kind of go round and if you tell me if you would make any changes, and if so, what one change would you make if you could pick one? So Rory, kick us off. Uh, for only one change, I would say um, I have no issue with there being multiple weight classes. I think in boxing, MMA is only growing at the moment. The problem is it's it's governed by a company. You yeah. know, it, okay. it's not like a, it's not like you have a regulatory body. You have a company yeah. that that pays you on the bankroll. Um, you know, if you shit in boxing, you don't get fights. If you're signed to the UFC, you just get cut. Like it's okay, a yeah. bit, it's a bit different. You you, you yeah. know, you get your contract brought out. But I'd like more weight classes. I think. Okay, uh, TK. I think potentially, as Rory said earlier, more stringent sort of fines and stuff if people do miss weight, because um, ultimately the money is what you're fighting for. And if you kind of genuinely think I might not make weight here, you're going to be less inclined to do that and go yeah. to a, a weight that you're more suited to you. So it might seem harsh, but it's kind of being cruel to be kind if you're like you'll go to a yeah. weight class that your body is actually fit for rather than draining. All right, Connor. Um, I'll just say more science looked into it of how it affects your body and also in UFC with the check weights which maybe bringing those in and being quite strict with them to help uh, help the fighters oh yeah my thing would just be more knowledge for the fighters I don't think many changes to the process can be made and so I would just say if educate the fighters and then kind of you've done your bit then it's kind of on the fighters yeah. then. I mean, my only problem with that is how many fighters have really got the time to be going to bloody workshops and stuff about well, they most of them fight two, three times a year. They yeah, can... but, but most of them know the risks already. They're not like well, that's you don't I'm... need to be told it. I mean, it's if, it's, if it's offered or if it's even sent out to managers or something like that, then I mean, there's not a lot more you can do because I don't, I, I don't want to. I kind of just feel like this goes back to my point of they're like big kids. You can't, <laughs> you can't tell them what to do. That they are their own people. Yeah. As much as yeah. well, then as much as we're saying, get managers in and well, stuff like that. They fight a year in weight classes. Uh, TK, just me and you, the sole survivors again. <laughs> um, 
I thought we should probably do some uh, NFL chat. It's been a while. We've neglected it a bit. Absolutely. Um, and so just one, just to get us into it, I thought, are we now resigned to a Patriots versus Eagles Super Bowl or is it a bit more complex than that? Yeah, I think the pitch is definitely a little bit more complex than that. I think particularly in the NFC side, as ever, I think it's quite competitive still. Um, I think you've got numerous teams in there that you could pick is going on a streak and getting to the Super Bowl. Um, from the AFC, obviously, Patriots do start to look quite sort of ominous in terms of how they're looking now. Yeah. Particularly contrasted while they did the first couple of games where obviously the defence was pretty much the worst in the league. Um, yeah. Steadily, they've built back up to, to what we know they are as well. So they're as close as you can be to a safe bet to come out of the AFC. But I think particularly on the other side, I think it's, it's a lot murkier than that. Yeah, um, I mean... In a league that's been as unpredictable as it has this year with injuries and just surprise packages, it does seem like the only sure thing has been the Patriots and the Eagles kind of holding up their side of the bargain Yeah. each week. Um, I mean, the dominance of the Patriots this season and the Eagles just kind of shows, it is kind of does hinge on how good your quarterback is. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's we see that. League, I mean, so... as, of, as of last week... Um, Carson Wentz had thrown the most touchdown passes in the NFL with 25 and Brady had thrown 22. Um, I mean, the Patriots are currently the number two seed in the AFC, if I'm correct, behind the Steelers. Is that right? I think they're on the same thing, okay. aren't they? So I'm, yeah. I'm still not convinced by the Steelers. Well, this honest. is what I was going to get onto. I was going to say um, the Steelers do hold the conference record tiebreaker over the Patriots is why I believe they're above them currently. Yeah, but yeah. Um, in week 15, the two teams will do battle in Pittsburgh. Okay. So the winner of that one will likely clinch the top spot in the conference. Um, yeah. Also for the Patriots, five of their final six games are against AFC East teams. So granted, that's the Bills, Dolphins, Jets, who are all currently out of the playoff picture, but they're also mathematically alive in terms of reaching the playoffs. And yeah. so... I think you'll expect them to win, but they, you, you'd expect them not to be walks in the park for those games. And then on the side of the Eagles, number one seed in the NFC, but you've got uh, the Vikings and the Saints, despite them losing to the Rams. I mean, they've still got two solid teams there, only like one or two games behind them. Um, and their, their, the rest of their schedule does feature uh, Seattle in Week 13. They've got um, the Rams in Week 14, and they've got the Cowboys in Week 17, where... Zeke will be back from his suspension. Probably will be done by then. Though, yeah. So, I, but I mean, like my ultimate point is, it's kind of it's still too early just to crown your conference champ just outright, and yeah. and to say that they'll then continue that form into the playoffs. Um, I think the NFC does look to be a lot more of a done deal with the Eagles as opposed to the Steelers, despite. I would still pick Patriots over them every day of the week. I think that's still more competitive there on that side. Yeah, well, I think the Steelers crawling past Packers with Brett Hundley at QB makes you question... If that's Rodgers, then... Yeah, they're, they're probably not winning that yeah. game, are they? So, you, if you're crawling past that team... Well, some, go on. Any other like, sort of hard games they're going to have the rest of the season, yeah. you, you brought up the Patriots games left. But any close games for the Steelers... Well, Brady's ten and two in his career against uh, the Steelers. Against Big and, Ben. Yeah, and if you actually look at the stats this season, um, Roethlisberger has the second most interceptions in the league. 
the only person who's had more is Deshaun Kaiser for the brand. <laughs> so that tells you a lot. And well, I mean, he was being slated early on this well, season as well. Well, that's like for him. I mean, he, it's because he kind of came out at one point and he, he kind of made it out as if he didn't really care anymore, which I, I don't doubt that he does. But the issue for him is he's doing what he does, but he's being facilitated very well. I mean, he's getting a lot of time in the pocket to do what he wants mm. to do. And he's got Antonio Brown. Yeah, the options he's got to throw yeah. to. I mean, you should be. And Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, you can only, you could say you're only as good as your receivers, but when you've got a quarterback who can make the throws and the receivers, then the receivers are there to get you out of jail when... And Le'Veon, uh, Le'Veon Bell's running game. The, the thing with them, the Steelers, is they've been sneaking past teams. A lot of their games, they've won by three or less. And... I think it is going to be the teams that we've mentioned at least in the conference finals of each game, of each conference, sorry. But it's just whether... I think it's more on which what the other teams can produce as opposed to we know what these two are going to do now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In terms of they're, they're sort of the, the guarantee you know what you're getting. Yeah, with them. especially the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Um, going back to the NFC, you've got to say... With the you know I know you said about the Saints yeah. and the Rams, but then the Saints have been kind of one of the teams everyone's been shouting about, yeah. and rightly so. But then obviously the Rams are on a, yeah. a, a look great as well, and they're in a division with Seahawks who yeah. starting some people were sipping as yeah. going to be Super Bowl champions. If they get to the playoffs, you probably can't rule them out. Kind of um, hit the jackpot there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially when you laughed, and then even teams like. I think when Cam's playing well, I think the Panthers are a live team in fact. They are, they are. They are. The thing with them is, and maybe I'm being harsh with Newton is, I think he is someone where when it's going his way, he's all well and good, but we've seen him quitting games and we've seen him, yeah. he, the way he handles a loss is just horrific. Oh, and I wonder how much that can grate on your team when you kind of take no responsibility yeah. yourself and you just whine. Hot and cold is kind of made for him, wasn't it? In terms of how he how he goes, but when it is and it's good, it's very good. Even a team like the Falcons and the thing that they're kind of obviously getting forgotten about because of how the Super Bowl went last year. Yeah, and there's always that idea of the curse against that team as well. But they're they're a good team as anyone who offensively can always put points on the board. Yeah, so I don't think you can really call it sort of a lot. I mean, it seems obviously clear the Eagles are going to be the top team to come out yeah. of the NFC. Patriots, Steelers, one of them will, but as we've seen, it can be a very different picture by the time you get into the playoffs and yeah. get into those games. We don't know who's going to get injured still, no. with the way it's gone this year. If it's in terms of stars, you don't want to say it, touch wood, but yeah. if Brady gets wiped out, then that's undone, isn't it? Well, he obviously got rid of Jimmy G as well. Who would be your uh, MVP pick so far? Because I mean, it's been between Brady and Wentz in most people's eyes. I don't know whether I'm just giving it to Wentz in terms of just maybe he's surprised people. This so is what I was going to say. A, yeah. Whereas Brady, you just know what you get with him and yeah. that sort of consistency. The only thing I will say is I don't want it to be Brady gets it because he's doing it and he's 40. Yeah. You, you do it because you're the best player. Yeah, you don't yeah, do it yeah, because it. you're the best player of that yeah. age. I think, well, let's face it, if they go on and win it, obviously he will. But I think, I think Wentz probably deserves it as of now, but there are still a significant amount of games to go. That yeah. You can't judge it just yet. I mean, you you got to think like it was kind of um, like with Messi and Ronaldo, we kind of look for other players mm. to be in the contention for the Ballon d'Or. But we kind of look and we push. The thing with the NBA, we, yeah, realistically, LeBron probably would get it every yeah. year, but you have to look for That's someone a else. Example, yeah. which is 
what everyone always does, so they're going looking elsewhere. Yeah, I think my point is, as obvious as it looks, there's enough threat there that you can't just wipe off the other teams. Yeah, and it's it's enough to keep you more than interested, isn't it? Yeah, not, definitely. It's not like you're tuning in thinking, well, we know what the two it's teams are going to be. It's not like the NBA either. Finals. Yeah, it's not like where last couple of years you've known who's ultimately going to end up. Yeah. You, you completely don't. Even for the Patriots, because the way they're, especially defensively, they're playing at the start of the season, all it takes is one game for that to creep back in. And things can change quite quickly. And we you see, think it's not going to happen, obviously. And but, we see how, play, how uh, people are getting to Brady. Yeah. And... The body can only take so much, so I see the way he's playing. Everyone's saying obviously he's got another two or three years in him, but it's, it can change overnight, can it? You don't like saying that, but at that age, things can happen. Yeah. So I mean, just to put you on the spot now, would you, if you were to put your house on it, would you put it on? Say you had two options, and it was Eagles, Patriots, or something else. As in, you just get the two options: either this or that. Hmm. would you put it on it being that Super Bowl or would you put it on an upset happening and it being something, it being an alternative option ultimately if you're saying kind of house on it or yeah. gun to your head or whatever I think you probably have to go with that yeah. I think in that equation you're basically assuming that Wentz is going to carry on the form yeah. and as we've seen with QBs before as well how many good quarterbacks have there been in a regular season who then can't replicate in the playoffs Matty Ice think, yeah Matty <laughs> Ice obviously Payton's that was always kind of thrown yeah. against him so and they're kind of more proven than went so far. So if he does fall apart, then you don't know. But no. you're basically, you have to assume that he's going to carry this form on because it's the way he's played has been phenomenal. And so you have to assume he's going to do it, carry on. Yep. But if I'd be shocked if the Patriots didn't make it. But if you said to me, right, at this time in February, the Eagles didn't, then I don't think you can be too shocked. Okay, so um, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Podcast. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week. And uh, if you could be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be the. If we could ask for one thing, that would be all it would be. <laughs> if you could check out uh, www.spitballingpod.com, I mean, TK's put an article up this week on Kyrie Irving. We've had uh, articles from Brad on the NBA, on the Knicks. Uh, I've put some interviews up. We've got one that went up today with Louis Smolker as he prepares for uh, UFC 219. And just a whole lot of stuff on there on SoundCloud if you could like repost all that kind of thing and uh yeah we'll be back next week thank you